Um, let me read for you, from you for you from Philippians. And this is our last week in the book of Philippians. And um, I'm going on a limb for, for saying this because I've changed it like three times. But I, I believe we're going to begin a sermon series, a shorter sermon series um, on mercy, God's mercy and our call to mercy and mercy ministry in the life of mercy and justice. And then we're going to transition and we're going to go through the book of Revelations um, through the summer. So um, pray for us. It's a crazy book. Um, no, it's not crazy. It's true. And it's good. That, that didn't mean crazy like that. I meant, you know, these dreams and images and visions John has or, or out of this world is a nice way of saying it. Um, so let us look at our Philippians, our fourth chapter in our joy of series. This is the word of God. It says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. This is the Apostle Paul talking, by the way. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in a matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And we can say amen, too. Um, This is um, the word of God. In some of the churches I've been in, there's this greeting. There's this worshipful call and response. And it went this way. One person would say, God is good. Okay, y'all already know it. Okay. Um, And this other person would say, all the time. And then I, other person would come out and say, all the time, God is good. And um, it, it was always fun doing it. It, it, was, it, was, it was, realize it was not a, only a reminder of what was true, that God was good, but that in reality of feeling at times that maybe you didn't have enough or it, 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 it served or weren't loved enough or even didn't give enough or didn't feel like you were used enough, it served as an encouragement. It was a, a goal. It was a place for hearts and minds and lives to go even if you failed to live there. That there is joy because God was, is, and will be good. That we can rest in it. That we can work towards and for his kingdom. That we can look at whatever our life brings or has been and yell it. God is good. And we can yell it to our hearts and lives and worlds only because heaven has yelled it first and best. 
That heaven has yelled and said, look at Jesus. Look at what he has done. Look at what a relationship with him means. Look at what he continues to do. Look at what his, the promises he keeps. In Christ, God is good. And as we will see in this text, the goodness of God is seen in this, that God is generous, that our God is gracious, that he is even grateful, that God is good. And in this text, the Apostle Paul, in, in display of his life, uses this truth as a, as a motivating and, and thankful instruction to the Philippian church concerning their financial relationship and their friendship with Paul. He encourages them that they give to God's kingdom and be generous because of his goodness, because God has been very generous to them. Paul displays the generosity of God and and saying God cares for his people. Look with me at verse 10. It says, I rejoice greatly in that the, at last you have re- renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in an any In any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now let me let you know that Paul is not being ungrateful for what the Philippians have given. He's not being ungrateful in some sort of super spiritual assertion that I don't need your gifts. Jesus is supplying. I've got God. I don't need you. And and he is not being passive-aggressive because it appears that circumstances have stopped the Philippians from giving at one time. Maybe the last time the mail came, a check from the Philippian church wasn't in it. No, this is not the point or goal. Rather, remember, Paul is in constant teaching mode and being a God-given, ordained example for them. He shows them his life. He's teaching them something from the way he responds to missing gifts or or getting gifts. He's teaching them and us that God has been and is generous and that God has cared for me and kept me. Paul is saying and testifying in much and in little, it was God who cared for me and thus it is God who will care for me and God who has and is and will care for you. And he says that I have learned the secret of contentment. And his descriptive life of having and not having is is displaying to us and them that in ups and downs he has been seasoned by God to trust God. Understand, this is not a self-discipline Paul is, 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 is learning from. He said he has learned it. In other words, it has actually been taught to him providentially by God in his circumstances, in his glory and in his bruises, in his pomp and in when he was down. God cared for him and even gave him opportunity and ability to see that in the obstacle course of life, God was there. That God cared for him. 
So Paul, the spiritual father, looks at and shares with maturity his life. And he says to those who may not be as seasoned or assured that God's generosity has kept me all these years. And all that I've been through, God was there. And he brings it to a head in verse 13. And he says, I can do everything, all things through him who gives me strength. And by, by, by bringing it to that head, he is saying that the means, the way by w- which I am and was made strong in the ups and in the downs of life to be content and trust God was Jesus himself. The, and in laying the presence and power and person of Jesus before them and us as the strength, as the source of his contentment, What Paul does is he affirms and applies the crown in consummating historical reality of God's generosity to humanity and his children. That God is generous. That God is generous in taking care of you because his generosity is assured and seen in this. That God actually sacrificed for his people. That God gave Jesus See, in bringing Jesus into the picture, Paul gives us his constant. He gives us the constant. He gives us the power and the strength of how he is being kept and cared for. You see, in Jesus' sacrifice, Jesus is a constant, a contentment, whether you're up or whether you're down. That his work in place are just as powerful and necessary that if you're riding high and full and prideful, Jesus comes in a strength and in, in something that's a constant when you're, when you're puffed up and feeling better and, and more privileged than, than you should. And it reminds us that guess what? God was humiliated and died on a sinner's cross because you were a sinner. In your up, in your high, in your pride, look to Christ and be renewed in the strength, the constant in your life. But if you are laid low, if you're in need, if you're in want, your heart just breaks for something, Jesus is this reminder that he died not only for for sinners, but that sinners would be and are inheritors, that sinners can be and are sons and daughters of the King of King and Lord of Lords. Now what this tells us is that contentment is known through Jesus because Jesus alone says stronger than anything there is, that you have a God that has proven to be a generous God towards you in your condition and in your circumstance, that Jesus died for the proud and Jesus died for the poor. As a matter of fact, it is a predecessor. The, the, what goes before this passage and what Jesus himself gave in the Lord's Prayer that teaches us in ups and downs as a basic prayer of our lives before God that we would pray, give us our daily bread. That God would be and God would be and give that assurance and taste 
of his generosity, that daily you would know that you serve a generous and loving and keeping God. To, to ask God to satiate my discontentment and fear. To yes, give me something tangible. Lord, I need a daily break to give me a supernatural rest and resolve that will fill me in the burning desire to be more or to have more than what I am when you have not right now deemed it to be so. Give me a daily bread. Let me know you care for me. All of us, well, most of us anyway, have ridden roller coasters. I love some roller coasters. And I've been here two years, hadn't been over to Carowinds. Is that Carowinds over there? Yeah, Carowinds, not Six Flags. Man, I I wish I could just have the all-day roller coaster pass. The only thing that stops me, I can't stand those long lines. Man, I can't stand those things. So, and I realize I'm getting older. I can't stand up in those, the cow thing, but they weed you through. But really, whatever the variety or speed or height of those who ride roller coasters, what have you learned? You've learned the contentment and strength of the safety harness, right? When we get in that thing, what do we look for? The click, click. That's what you want to hear. Let me tell you. If you don't hear the click, click, you're going to be out the seat. You're going to be like, hey, 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 young guy. Yeah, teenager working. Come, come on over here, man. This thing ain't clicking. Thing ain't clicking. There's something about the tightness and the clicking sound that makes you content to be afraid. You can be afraid and be content at the same time because you can be scared. Like when you go down, whoo, boy, I feel like you're going to fall out. But you're like, oh, oh, yeah the harness that you can even be content to be joyful that when you're riding high you know people like this whoo they're having a good time and the reason you're having a good time is there's still the strength and contentment of the harness i will tell you that there was a time i think i told you this story before early in the earlier sermon i got on this ride and it felt like the safety bar wasn't working. And, you know, I, you know, the illusion of the ride, it worked on me that day. Because I felt like I was going to be sucked out. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I was a scary. So I felt my life. I thought, okay, it's going to be, you know, things go through your mind. I'm going to be on the news. They're going to show my face from some old picture from middle school. Because, I mean, I, you won't be able to tell who I was if I flew out that ride. You know, I have the clothes, clothes casket funeral. And I, mean, I just saw it all before me and I was and the thing was going around and the music was playing I'm looking at other people's face woohoo this is great and I was like get me off and so I just remembered holding on to that bar in, in, in my and after I was done I was like the ride's over dude because somebody was sitting beside me come on come on I'm like I can't move my hands I was just so afraid just kind of clenching that bar like you know when you lift weights they say squeeze the bar like it's butter what's the thing it was like butter I just wanted to squeeze through it I was holding on to the constant I I learned the secret in my need that in fear in the wake of my death I thought the secret I, I, I thought I knew the secret of my care it was the strength of that steel bar and I held on tight and the, and, and the weakness and need of being really needing help. Thank God for that bar that day. Thank God. Well, you know, in our lives and ups and downs, we thank God for the generosity of his constant strength. Thank God for Jesus. In our ups and downs and wants, when our desire for more or better 
or to be like somebody else. We see what other people have and it burns us or we hate or even forsake God and others in our objective or maybe some sort of subjective need or lack. There's so many times we get to a place where we're down. We're like, Lord, why do you have me like this? I don't like you very much. And obviously you don't like me very much. And in our temptation to feel high and proud more than anything, we need to see and realize God's constant generosity. That God is the one who is good to you. That he is and gives you your daily bread on the way to being content in your circumstances. And so here's how you learn and gain the secret of contentment. What's the secret? When all you have is the bar. When all you have is the strength. All you have is a prayer in hell. I mean, all you have is what people say when they're going down the cliff, you know. Oh, Jesus or oh, God. And, And ironically in this, God is generous to keep you in that. To provide for your needs or your sanity, whichever, whatever is necessary for you to continue to know and praise and worship him. God is calling us to his generosity. He's saying, hold on tight, even with tears, even in the downs, to to pray for and seek his grace, to look, to press into Jesus for strength to be enough to say, Lord, everything looks crazy and I'm messing up and I'm not happy with this life and and, and it doesn't seem like you care. You even have to just in your fear and, and doubt Cry out to Jesus to say, Lord, help me. And when you do that and the Lord gives you the daily bread, the next down, you, you, you'll go there again. Then your ups and downs beg for Jesus to see the cross and person of Jesus. To actually yearn and thirst for a glimpse in his word. To, to take the sacrament as Paul did by the love and community of his people. To in your up see yourself as a helpless sinner in need. And in your downs be assured by this constant. That God and Jesus died. That people could call him father. And that people could know that the father looks over his children. That God in Christ says, I've got you. And don't you know, you've got me. Generosity leading to contentment. And part of this contentment he is strengthened with, Paul is strengthened with and calls them to, is generated by God being gracious. That God actually gives the grace that Paul gained strength from as he uses his people, as he's used the Philippians, that as the Philippians gave financially to support Paul, they were actually being used by God, not only to provide for Paul's felt needs, but as we can see, the spiritual needs as well, that in their giving, God is gracious to take what is given and translate and transform it into spiritual equity for his kingdom, uh, its servants and those it serves and for those who gives, give, look with me at beginning at verse 14. Beginning at verse 14, we're going to go through 16. Um, Yet it was good of you, Paul speaking to the Philippians, to share in my troubles. 
Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Paul describes these gifts, their gifts, as sharing in his troubles in verse 14. And then as a result of their being acquainted with the gospel, as verse 15 says, and that they participated in a giving and receiving relationship. That as they received the gospel from Paul, they were moved to give. And then as they gave, Paul, the gospel giver, was assured of and kept content in God's work and then was able to give back to them. What is Paul thanking them for and encouraging them to see? That God provided through them. You see, that God was at work in them. That their gifts were signs that the gospel was at work and true. It was, was, and as they, as, as they gave to Paul, that, that they connected their giving with Paul as the one who God was speaking through. That their gifts were not only a sign that the gospel was true in their hearts, but that through their financial gifts, the gospel witnessed that it was true to Paul. So when they gave gifts and that check came in and Paul was able to eat, it even said to Paul, guess what, Paul? God's going to take care of you. He saw their consistency and commitment to give, not simply as a responsible thing all good Christians do as the responsible tithing, but as God giving, as the Lord actually giving and providing for his ministry. It was God being gracious. It was God working spiritually to generate works like giving money and in turn taking those works and gifts and checks and monies and coins and using them to accomplish spiritual and lasting things. It was and is God's grace at work. And it is an encouragement to us to give because we have been given grace from God. Yes, from its pastors that preach and and lead in worship and its church and the fellowship provided. And those things are done in real time and real space with real cost. But when you come to it, we pray and believe that you are spiritually fed Christ. That we give out of that. Realizing that God has chosen the community of faith, the fellowship of the saints to be a means of grace, a mechanism of Jesus's work to keep his ministry going, to keep the giving and offering of truth going. There's a singer by the name of Keith Green. Some of you know, uh, I like some Keith Green, have all this stuff. And he has this one song. I don't necessarily agree with it sounds kind of like guilt-ridden sort of asking to do things, but um, it says he has this part where he's trying to get, get people to go on mission trips. And he said, God can't cash out-of-state checks. He needs you. So in other words, don't give you a check. You go over there yourself. And so uh, partly true, but, but what, I, what was true about this statement is that God is actually going to use people to keep his ministry going. That he is, God is looking for a miracle to happen and making a miracle happen that, that though you may not see it, it happens when his people look well into their hearts 
When they look well into their finances and their time affairs and give. And when they give out of thanks, a miracle of God's grace happens and will happen. That we, and when I say we, I I mean me too. That as we give and meet the needs of each other, giving of our time and talents and resources, we believe that God is and therefore will take care of us. That we learn contentment as we give to one another. Some of what I've received from some of you in terms of um, various gifts or um, your giving here at Christ Central Church pays my salary. Um, I, I, I even think about the, the times when we were redoing our house. You guys came and you helped paint and you brought little things and gifts. And, 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 and you know, I, I look at that and, and I think not directly. I do thank you, but understand this, that when God's people give gifts like that, it builds a faith in me that says God is going to take care of me and God is going to take care of this ministry. So your real gifts and your real time and your real sweat and your real voice and friendship, it built a faith in me that said, you know, I, I sat down with Kelly and we were talking about our money and we were, we were thinking, man, it would be nice to have this. It'd be nice to gain this when all you have to do is once you get this full-time job and, and, and I'll be working and we'll make it happen. And she said, Howard, but what about the times we can have people over to eat and we can take people out to eat? And, I, you know, because I'm connecting with the women and we can help the ministry grow. And I said, well, what about the checkbook? What about the finances? What about the fact that I want to go on a nice seven-day cruise sometime? What about the fact that I want this? You know, I'm just talking about what your heart comes up with. You just, man, I can't watch the vacation channel. You'd be looking at these things and they need a poor man's vacation channel all the way to grandma's house this day on HGTV eating out of mom's fridge you can make a gourmet meal out of that leftover macaroni just that's what I kind of need so and so we kind of looked at each other and 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 I just again thinking about the real gifts thinking about the real sweat and, and even when we look at our books here at Christ Central, you don't know, we be worshiping the Lord saying, how in the world are we making it? This is a mission church. Well, the other day we were at Davidson and the, and the professor said, these guys are really doing ministry. We're not doing ministry, riding this thing, hoping it makes it. We got the jalopy, man. Don't you know it? it it's pimp my ride from the inside. It looks nice, but it's really, it, I always wanted to pimp my ride. Do they fix the engine? You know, this thing looks nice, but the engine is like, Real messed up. It can stop at any moment. Isn't that right, Trish? Um, so I looked at Kelly and I was like, no. We can sacrifice for this ministry. We don't have to have all. Now, where did that come from? Not from me. Not for me just being good enough and righteous enough. I'm going to sacrifice for the church. No, man, I don't want to sacrifice for the church in and of myself. I want to go. I want stuff too. And she wants stuff too. I never go into the diamond store. So, you know, it's one of these things where I said, baby, God's going to take care of us. Can't you see that? Can't you see that? 
Each one of us here, even if we're not in ministry, in the body of Christ, as we give to one another, as we give to this church, those of us who are ups and downs, this community should be such a giving community that anyone who's down financially or in any way or in friendships or feeling lack in relationships will say, hey, look, I can go on because look at what the body has done. I can be content here. I can see that. I know that. God's grace works through you when you give. Don't you know that? Man, I I get so afraid to talk about money because, you know, in my mind, I think about living color in a tag team preachers. Georgia and I are not the tag team preachers. Be nice, though, some weeks. No. The Lord is working. He takes what you get and he he builds faith in God's people. He he makes Georgia and I think, yep, strong another week. Let's just go ahead. Let's do it. Let's go for it. Your money is a ministry to the ministry, but as a result of the ministry, that God is gracious not only using his people, but in blessing his people. Let's look quickly at verse 17. Paul says, All this, he says, thank you for giving. Then he says, not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. Now, Paul is giving us a grace principle that that God takes what have been given and builds interest and equity on what has been given. You know, it's similar to your own real investments, real estate and stocks and insurance policies and 401ks that we that you give your money. To be used by others, you know, Merrill Lynch or somebody like that. And as they use it, it grows as a blessing to to you as the company grows or the policy matures. Now, it's the same with God's kingdom that as we give to it, it is not only a sign of the fruit of his grace growing in our heart. It will actually grow fruitfully to our own account as God's kingdom grows, as God's kingdom is kept and matured in the life of the church and missions around the world. Let me say this. God has every right to demand with no blessing. But he's a good God. No, no, he's a gracious Savior and Lord. He is sharing the power and his hard work on the cross, his sacrifice to build the kingdom and putting it into your account as you give. As a matter of fact, look at verse 19. Paul says, and may my, my God meet, will meet all, and excuse me, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches, his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. What is he saying? That God, that your blessing not be based upon how much you put in. But your blessing be based upon not your actual gifts, but as you give, based on the righteous work and power and character and righteousness of Jesus Christ. That what you get out of giving is because Jesus makes it flourish. You know, there are certain stock options you can't get on. You ain't got enough money. You know, the big guys, they got their money. Well, we're going to go into stock together. We're going to do this thing. Well, how much you bring to the table? I got a dollar. Nope. Got to have 5,000. Can't, can't get in. Sorry. You know, and, and you know, you're thinking, man, if I give a dollar, I make a lot of money, but you can't make a lot of money because you don't got enough money to make a lot of money. And so what's going on is here, Jesus takes his power, his weight, 
in an unmerited favor, given out of sacrifice or abundance, he blesses you. You get to hook up with the big boy with your gift. Don't you realize your gift is not needed by God, but God says, give and watch what I can do with it. You can bring your one dollar next to God's eternal, uh, eternal account and your one dollar matters because Jesus spiritually makes it matter. Let's put this blessing in perspective, though, because there's been abuses in Christendom with this verse. Oh, you give and Lord's going to give you back. Let me go touch the Cadillac down at the dealership or or let me let, let me go walk around this house or let me think, oh, I gave my money. I should pass this test this week. Let me tell you, man, college kids, let me tell you, when I was in college, the Sunday before exams, woo, everybody was there. It was like thriller. People coming out the gutters. You know, people, I mean, it was ridiculous. What are they doing in church? I better get my money today if I'm going to pass this test this week, dog. You know, and, and but it is, and there's some beauty to that, and, but this is not the sermon for that. But remember, when you get back, what, what Paul says, it's going to, I'm thinking about your account as you give. It is a blessing to not you directly. It's a blessing to the kingdom. That all you give and gain is not your own, even though you get to eat a little bit of it. Because, you know, something's happened to our churches. Where people come and they give their money, woo-hoo, I'm going to get something back. No, the kingdom's going to gain. And as you are part of the kingdom, you get some too. You know, I thought about it. We were talking the other day and laughing at my family. And, um, because, you know, my parents... They're doing best. They're doing financially better than they did when I grew up with them. And so it's neat to see daddy's business growing and they can do all kind of things. I'm thinking, man, why, why were they doing well when I was in school? I would have had me a car in high school. But um, we were laughing and saying, you know what? Nobody in this house could have $40,000 just sitting in the bank. Why? Because we got poor people all around us. I said, daddy, you can't have no cash in the bank. Why? Because you got me and Kelly. We need to call you for help. And so, he, so, in other words, when we hear about something happening, man, it was a good three months here. Hey, Daddy, how you doing, man? You know, and we realize that there's no way with any integrity that anyone in our family right now in this generation can hoard amounts of cash and investments and have homes all over the world and, and three and four cars because I got cousins and uncles and nephews and aunts and brothers who need cars and homes and money and I can't hoard it for myself so the blessing that we get financially it ain't mine it's ours y'all ever seen the movie the cookout mm-hmm. about the brother who got the NBA contract when he got that NBA contract in that big house, the whole family showed up at the house. Just like they were, like Giorgio said, crazy Uncle Ed. Everybody came, they, they're in this real fancy community, popping ribs on the grill, and the music's bumping loud. It's just really a big mess. Welcome to the church. Some of you got some money. Oh, you got a bonus. You're successful. You're living high. You might not have money. You got some influence. You got some. You, you're sitting next to somebody with the initials on their shirt. You got. You got somebody. You, 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 your neighbor, uh, whatever it is. And then I want to just drop to you something Paul is communicating here. He says you participated in the ministry of giving and receiving with me. Let me tell you what it is. If you got money, we's rich. 
That's what it means. The day you became a believer, everything changed. The day you got that NBA contract, everybody showed up to your house. The day you became a Christian, if you rich, we's rich now. That's the thinking you need to have. The blessings you have ain't because you're moral. Christianity, your Christianity should tell you that the things you have are not because you're so good. Or you're not a Christian. Or you don't understand Christianity very well. The things you have, if you are a Christian, should say to you, thank you God, you're so good. And if you believe that, then if you got five cars and your brother ain't got one, somebody better take a car or go over there and steal it because they got to have it. They need that car. It's not yours. Your money isn't yours. Yeah, you get to enjoy it. I'm not trying to tell you you can't have with, with your money and level. Well, maybe you can't. Maybe you can't. Paul is saying God's grace works through that. That you have so that God's grace can work for the benefit of bringing the gospel. Not only preaching and all that, but the gospel that ministers between one another. And some of you got some influence. And your brother over here, he ain't got no job. And you know that man next to you can hire him or her. We's rich, Paul says, because we serve a generous father. Let me close with this. How is God gracious? He's grateful. Now, look with me at verse 18. It says here that I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied. And now that I receive from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Verse 18 says this, that they are fragrant. That God actually takes your gifts and he uses them to bring joy to himself. God brings blessing to himself from his gifts. That the money and time and talent you give, it pleases God and it pleases the needs of his church and its people and functions. Let me take it further. God again is actually blessed. Now how can you bless God? It says here that, again, it's fragrant. He takes them and he, he smells them and it's valuable to him as our gifts. They are valuable as they reflect his power at work. Get this, the reason you can give is because God is at work and God looks at that and says, man, thank you. I'm so great. God's the only one who can say that. I'm so great. Look what I've done. Praise to me. Thank you for worshiping me. It's just like you feel when you're blessed by your child's artwork. Man, Harrison brought me the first painting he did in school. I don't know what that thing was. You know, the first painting of the, 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 the family, your arms like this, your head, I mean, just no neck, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, Daddy, this for you. And I can't imagine. Man, I didn't need a Picasso, okay? I had Harrison Brown, all right? But no neck, you know? He was just as messed up looking as the Picasso draws. Picasso don't have no necks either. But I'm just saying, your, your child is is doing things and beautiful and awesome things because of what? You. It's a reflection of your life and giving and caring and opportunity. It reflects his value. But more than that, your own value in your love for him or her. In our giving, God is saying, my child... Paint me a picture. Yeah, yeah, I might not have no neck in the picture. That's all right. Give what you have. For it really can and does and bless me. 
And the word here in verse 18 that is transforming to our giving is this word acceptable. Your gifts, financial and otherwise, are acceptable to him. Which means it comes from one thing. The reason your gifts are acceptable, you put that money in plate or you sign up to work the children's ministry or you give to someone, you do some mercy and justice. The reason it's acceptable is because you have been made acceptable by him. You are acceptable and pleasing and a blessing to a perfect God. You're his child. If you know Christ, you're his child. So if you give the painting, yeah, he's blessed. Not because the painting's so great, don't have no necks. But because of what Jesus has done. Unlike what your own parents may have fallen short in doing. Some of us here, our parents are not pleased by what you did or may have tried to do. They point out, ain't no necks on that, I want it. And you are acceptable and valuable and usable and lovable by God and his kingdom. Did you know that? Did you know how grateful God is that you're his? You know, the kid that stops drawing or giving a gift to their parents is a child who doesn't believe his gifts or worse, a child who doesn't believe he or she is acceptable to the father. The reason we don't give gifts is we don't really believe we're accepted by the Father. We really don't see Jesus. We really don't see God dancing and happy and celebrating and glad to see us and glad to use us for his ministry. Don't you know you're accepted by the King of kings and Lord of lords? Paul said it best. It is by Christ that I have strength to believe and give it all regardless of the circumstance. Because in Christ I stand righteous, and I'm declared righteous before God. That if I look at what Jesus did, I'm reminded I am his child. That strengthens me to give and to work because I know my daddy's going to take the picture and use it for his glory. I, um, I, I think I told this story too before. Like any little boy, I love to get my mom flowers. But I wouldn't go any further than the front yard weeds. Little yellow things, little white things, on the grassy, just grabbing my, maybe some bugs on it, maybe some dirt on it. And I said, Mama, here you go. Here's Daddy. Howard, take them weeds out my house, boy. <laughs> the dissenter. No, I'm just, take them weeds out my house, boy. I'm like, they're not weeds. They're flowers. And I kind of hold it out to mama, you know, dirt on the ground, messing up the kitchen. I probably mess up daddy's lawn, big hole in the middle somewhere. And she's like, baby, thank you. And she would take those flowers. She would go to the china closet and get the best vase. And she would take the dirty flowers and put it right in the vase. And she'd put it right up high in the kitchen. And she would look at me, baby, I love you. Thank you. Don't you know, our gifts are like those dirty weeds. And the Lord takes them. And we're like those dirty weeds too. He takes us and what we can give and what we have to offer dirty and messy and weedy. 
And he, his son is like the beautiful vase. And he takes what we have to offer and who we are and he puts him in that vase. And because of him, we are raised to be sons and daughters of God. We're raised to a glorious place that is pleasing and beautiful to our God and Father. That our God is generous. That our God is gracious. That our God is grateful. That God is good. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we're accepted. That our gifts are acceptable and usable by you. Our dirty gifts you use. Remind us of our place in Christ. Lord, and if if we don't know you, draw us to this place where we where we just desire to finally be accepted and made righteous and complete and know that what we do counts for something. This week, help Jesus count for everything. Let us go to him in our need. Help us go to him in our much. And uh, remind us that you look at us and you say, my child, my son, my daughter, I want you to know I'm a good God. This we pray in Jesus' name.